Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez here in the podcast room with Aaron Keller. And today we're joined by Ned Bowman with the Great Basin Bird Observatory. Ned, it's your first time on here. We're super excited to have you here. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And um, before we got started, we were talking all about the upcoming Nevada Birdathon you guys are having, which is why we brought you in. But I said we'll get into that later because first we just want to find out a little bit about you, who you are, and then also, of course, about the Great Basin Bird Observatory. So, Let's start with you. Let's talk about okay. you. And sure. So tell us about yourself um, and how you started with GBBO. Yeah, so I first started with GBBO in 2015 as a seasonal point count technician. And so I've been enthused with birds my whole life, and this was just sort of uh, finally making it happen. But I got out here in 2015 and started working with them seasonally doing point counts and stuff, and then one thing led to another, and they just kind of stuck around. Just kind of got stuck here. Okay. What and is so, a? Oh, sorry. Oh, a point count survey. Yeah. We yeah. Like See, we don't know any of this. <laughs> yeah. Make me explain my jargon. <laughs> yeah. So that is a, a fairly standard tool used in the field of bird research, where the actual you stand in one place and you record every bird that you can see and hear. And it's a tool used to get at population information for songbirds specifically because songbirds are territorial and they'll maintain one location and you can apply statistics to how many individuals you detect on a point count and come up with some density information. Wow. And so, yeah. yeah. So you don't count them twice. Exactly. Yeah. So was that your whole background before coming here was re, uh, songbird research? Um, yeah, wildlife research. Um, I graduated from the University of Vermont in 2012 with a Bachelor of Science in Wildlife Biology. Nice. And so I was working in Vermont for state parks and actually met someone that worked for GBBO previously, uh, GBBO being the Great Basin Bird Observatory. Um, and so he suggested I come out and I came out to try it out and I just kind of loved it out here and I got stuck out here. And so I've been doing uh, stuck in a good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I've been doing uh, surveys for the Great Basin Bird Observatory for the past six years. And now I've been focusing my time and effort on our education and outreach programming. And that's sort of the uh, conception of this birdathon. Nice. Is rooted in all that. Okay. And then, so tell us a little bit about, some of our listeners might not know what GBBO is, because um, we have a lot of hunters and just different people who listen to the podcast. So can you tell us about it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Great Basin Bird Observatory, we're a nonprofit. There's, we're tiny. There's 10 of us on full-time staff, and we're based here in Reno. But we were formed uh, in the early 2000s, actually, with the uh, Breeding Bird Atlas of Nevada, and so they formed this nonprofit as an institution to get funding for this project. And there were sort of open questions as to whether the organization was going to continue after the Atlas or what was going to happen. And our current director, uh, Elizabeth Ammon, was hired for that Atlas work and has kept the observatory going for the past 26 years now, getting uh, contracts to monitor birds throughout the state. And uh, 
It started small with some small local Nevada monitoring contracts, like on the Truckee River out at the McCarran Ranch. Um, and it sort of built and built and snowballed. And now we work throughout most of Arizona on the lower Colorado River, uh, throughout, er- or, uh, throughout Nevada and the eastern Sierra. Um, and so we conduct extensive research all over the area. Nice. Yeah, I saw you guys were statewide and then even out of the state, like you're in, going into Arizona and um, was it even in California yep. a little bit? Yeah. Yep, on the lower Colorado River there. Yeah, just taking advantage of these partnerships and sort of leveraging that collaborative potential to get more done. And so are all 10 staff members located in Reno or are they kind of all over the Great Basin? Um, we have most of us here in Reno. There's a couple of our project coordinators that work from more remote locations. Um, yeah, Great Basin's big. And the, so if you cover all of it, I would imagine there's probably some people spread out. Yeah, the Great Basin is huge. And so while most of us are based in Reno, most of our work occurs throughout the state. For the past several summers, my schedule has consisted of living on the road and finding a new campsite every night for the (laughs) randomly generated survey locations. Nice. And so I would imagine this is a dream job for you then. You know, it works out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, right? Right. (laughs) How does it feel to be a part of an organization that it sounds like is growing and then you're doing this important work that really wouldn't be done? Who knows if it would be done without this group dedicated to it? It, It's actually really great. And it's really, it's, it's empowering and fulfilling in a way to feel like I'm really part of something. We're a small group and it feels like my contribution is really significant. And it feels like we're really on the ground in a position to make things happen. And so it's really satisfying to just be right there watching it all happen. Yeah. So then um, what were you going to say? I was going to ask, like, so what is a day, like, what does your work day consist of? Or how's that? Like you said, camping or finding a camp spot or a survey location. How's that? Sure. Happen? Well, it depends on the day. A lot of the times, a lot of days I have an office job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of the days when I'm out in the field doing surveys, it's uh Let's see where to start. It's a very cyclical thing. You wake up before dawn in the dark to go find your find your point count location, and you conduct your bird survey. Uh, you have GPS coordinates for the locations, and there, there's an art to finding all that and a lot of ins and outs and trial and error of finding roads. And you spend the day finding your survey location, and uh, when you get to camp, you kick back and check out the area and wake up the next morning and do it again. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, it's really not a bad gig in the summertime. Yeah. <laughs> How do you decide on survey locations? So these are determined by our contracts and our funders. So it's really the priorities of our funding agencies. So so we have contracts with the Southern Nevada Water Authority, with the Bureau of Land Management, with the Fish and Wildlife Service. And so these are projects that they sort of have questions about, and, and we apply for funding to actually conduct the work. Got it. Okay, that's a good sum up of... Um what you guys do. So you're like, you're contracted by the different agencies to go and take a look at the different locations. Yep. Got it. Yeah. And so we do a lot of monitoring of restoration sites, like at the McCarran Ranch here, just outside of town on the Truckee River. We're in the early 2000s. They were doing um, extensive restoration work, sort of restoring some of the oxbows of the river, planting cottonwoods and willows. And so we've been monitoring the response of the bird population to those efforts. Um, we have a contract with Forest Service where we're doing basically species inventory on plots in Forest Service land. So it's really across the board. There's a lot of different uh, surveys we're involved with in a lot of different yeah, places. Yeah, I bet you get to see a bunch of cool places. Kind of that lower river stuff that you mentioned is pretty awesome when you're down in there. Um, and it doesn't, a lot of people don't get to see it. 
because they don't go down into that property down in the river. But once you're in there, those new cottonwoods and willow plantings and stuff is, and even the river looks amazing right there. Yeah, it is. It's really incredibly rich habitat. It's one of my favorite places to go birding around the Reno area. Right. You almost always see wood ducks there, and that's always a treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I promised you we'd get into the birdathon, which we will. But I still have more questions um, about you. So, what do you have any standout moments at working for GBBO? Oh boy, there are just there's so many. I think the first time I got to do pinion jay telemetry was really fascinating because they're they're very different than a lot of the birds I've worked with previously. And so being able to do uh, radio telemetry, if I uh, could explain that, is sort of where you have a radio yeah, transmitter on the animal, and it gives off a signal that can be detected with an antenna. And we would track that and uh, collect location and habitat information on those locations. And so working with the pinion jay was just so interesting because they're, they're sort of a focal species, which I'll get into more when we, it, it ties into the whole birdathon thing as well. Um, but they're, they're a really complex bird with a very fascinating life history and they're very social and you can find them in groups of up to 300 to 1,000 birds, um, historic records. And so it's very cool to be on the ground observing a flock where you think there's a few birds foraging in the trees and you get in the little beep from your, from your antenna and then suddenly they, they move to a new location and you realize you're in the midst of 200 birds and you just oh. wouldn't even realize it. Mm. And so it's just really cool to see stuff like that and just get off the beaten path. And that's not the kind of thing you see when you bird at the open spaces and parks around town, you know? You really got to get out there to see some of that stuff. And I'm really thankful for a lot of this work that's taken me to these places to see some of that stuff. Yeah, it's kind of forced you out there, right? Yeah, it has and sort of opened my eyes to stuff I wouldn't see otherwise. Yep. So soon, the community will have a chance to also maybe get off the beaten path and join in on the Birdathon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so let's, we do have a few minutes left in the first half, so we sure. can start by just kind of explaining what it is and how it all started. Yeah, sure. So the Birdathon, it's a competitive fundraising event, and they're used um, all over the place. This isn't, this isn't the only one, and I wasn't the one that came up with the idea of a Birdathon. But I see what happens in other states, and I just thought it was a really cool potential to sort of unite the birding community and raise some conservation dollars for GBBO. And so basically, it works like a walkathon where you can collect pledges or donations for, for whatever. In this case, it's birds. You're going out and you do a big day, which is where you try to see as many species as possible in a single day. It's a pretty uh, well-established tradition in the birding community. And so you, co you collect pledges for how many species you think you might see. And we award participants for who has seen the most species or who has raised the most funds. And we select a two-week window in the month of May for this to happen. And it usually coincides with eBird and Cornell's Global Big Day, which a lot of folks get out birding for anyway. So we sort of center it around that weekend. And migrants are coming back. There's a lot of birds in the area. And we like to see people getting out and seeing them for, for a cause, you know, for fun, for competition, which are standards in the birding community. <laughs> <It's the best. laughs> yeah. But also for a cause, you know, all of the all of the funds raised go directly towards our pinion jay conservation efforts. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. So that's how the pinion jays tie into all this. Exactly. It sounds like you guys are gonna hit a pretty good window. Exactly. Kind of that two weeks in May is going to be perfect. That's what we're going for. Yeah, because it's been freezing all winter. So hopefully we'll be able to file. Please. And, and the birds will hopefully be responding. <laughs> right, yeah. 
Well, I think that's a good time for just a quick break, but we will be right back and get more into this. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. We have Ned Bowman on for the first time with the Great Basin Bird Observatory, and we are talking about Nevada's Birdathon today. And in the first half of the show, you kind of covered, you gave us background on the Great Basin Bird Observatory, told us a little bit about the Birdathon, but I promised this half will be all things Birdathon. So <laughs> let's get into it. So, um, so it's been happening. When did you? When did it start? Did you say? So we did the first one in 2020, and actually we sort of got the idea before we learned of this whole global pandemic thing that happened. That, and that so, little thing. Yeah, <laughs> that, that whole thing. So, so we had to do some uh, some quick thinking and figure out how the event could actually still be a success with all these closures and shutdowns. And so in our first year, it was a, a much smaller version of the event than we see now. We had about seven teams, and, I th- and we raised just over $1,000 the first year we did it. And so despite the pandemic, I feel like the Nevada birding community still rallied to make the event a success, and everyone had a good time. And now in 2022 was the most recent one last year. We had 27 teams that raised nearly $5,000 and saw 250 species statewide, collectively. Wow, so each year it does grow more and more. And then um, I was saying earlier, I like how the benefit of it it kind of has two benefits, really, because not only are you raising the money to go into um, Pinion J conservation work, but you're also um, it's using citizen science. We're learning a lot of information about the different bird species. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of citizen science feeding into citizen science because yeah. Pinion J <laughs> uh, community science effort is a huge, huge push with effort from all over the Western United States. But we were actually able to put that together with funds raised from the Birdathon, and so it's really cool to see those those funds come into life, really. Exactly. And have you guys learned a lot? Like you said last year, how many species were logged? Uh, 250 species. Okay. Yeah. Is that helping? Where does all that information go? So that part of the that part of the event is is definitely logged in our records, but that's mostly just to get people out there. That's the yeah. fun part that people love to see, and so it's really just engaging the community and getting that greater awareness of this this the cause that this, these funds are being raised for, and to bring awareness to the Pinion Jay, which if if everyone, not everyone's aware, they were petitioned for listing under the Federal Endangered Species Act last year. Uh, last May, and so we are well past the 90-day uh, window yeah. in which the ruling was expected. So we should be hearing about that any time now. Okay. But so it's really, it's really an important cause that the funds are going to, and it has a lot of potential to generate a lot of information about the pinion jay, which can help uh, conservation in a really meaningful way. Exactly. And then as you were saying, birders, super competitive people. So they're probably listening to this like, how could I do this? When is it? How do I sign up? So... Yeah, all, all that information is on our website at www.gbbo.org. 
Uh, right under our upcoming events, there's the Birdathon 2023. It's featured front and center on our homepage, but we've got a web page that explains all the details of it. And there's a separate hub on Just Giving where you can register as a team and that serves as the donation hub. Um, but basically you form a team and you can compete in four different categories for prizes. We have our big day birders, which go out and do the big day for the highest species list. We have our backyard birders, which was one of our adaptations to the coronavirus pandemic, was that we allowed participants to log a list for the two week duration of the event. And so within that, there are three separate categories because not all yards are created equal. So you can't have your birder out in rural Baker, Nevada, competing against your apartment yard in Las Vegas. So we've created the rural suburban yard with trees category. We've created the urban uh, environment backyard category. And then also the adopt a park category for backyard, where if your yard is just not great for birds, if it's entirely paved and there's not a tree in sight, which applies to some folks living in Las Vegas and even Reno, you can adopt a local park and keep a two week list for, for the duration of the event at that local park. That's awesome. I love how competitive birders mm. are and <laughs> that you guys have thought through all the categories and stuff. This is making me want to get into it. I'm like, actually, my backyard does get pretty, pretty good, good birds. <laughs> yeah. So, hmm. But then I also could do the park part, too, because I live right behind. Well, I probably shouldn't say where I live. Yeah, I, live. <laughs> I live near a park. Yeah, no, there's a number of ways to compete. And, and yeah, we're just sort of channeling that natural competitive nature among birders and, put, and applying it to conservation. Yeah, so the dates are May 5th through the 15th? That's correct, yeah. Okay, and, so, and then how many people are on a team? You can have up to five people on a team. Okay. And you can compete by yourself if you want as well. And then you would just kind of get put on a team if you were solo? Mm-hmm. Right on? Yeah. And this year we added, uh, actually last year we added the carbon neutral category if you oh. use public transportation or a bicycle for your big day. So that's sort of a subset of the, the big day prize. Yeah. And then we're also giving folks a prize for whoever submits the most uh, Survey 123 records for our Pinion J Community Science Initiative, which was what I was talking about earlier that all this funding is being applied to to help develop that. Nice. So for the birder that submits the most records on that, there's a prize for that as well. So lots of opportunity for some prizes. That's what we're hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then so it wraps up on the 15th, and then what happens after the 15th? So the 15th is the last day to do your big day and when your two-week list ends. And then we ask everyone to submit their final checklist to us. We tabulate all the results and uh, compile whoever, who raised the most funds. And we, we do all these calculations. And then we've actually scheduled two different award ceremonies uh, to announce these results. The one in northern Nevada is at the Pigeonhead Brewery on June 17th. We're going to have a food truck out there. And we're going to be giving prizes to the teams that have won, uh, have raised the most funds or seen the most species. And then on June 3rd at 4 p.m. at the Dondero Cultural Center in Henderson, Nevada, we're doing the award ceremony for Southern Nevada, which is largely in partnership with the Red Rock Audubon Society, which has been a, a, huge, a huge supporter of the event from the beginning. And it's been great to have their support from Southern Nevada because we don't get down there as much, and there is a lot of potential for fundraising down there. So... So the support of Red Rock Audubon has been very great. Yeah, yeah, and then so those are just big celebrations of the events and kind of a... 
Yeah, big celebration of the event. People can talk about stories and talk about how, you know, they were parked up at the trailhead to Mount Rose in the dark and they heard some crazy scream and then an owl flew two feet in front of their face or, you know, sharing all those crazy stories that, that birders uh, <laughs> find out there in the field. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet a lot of adventure, you guys are setting people up for a fun adventure if they join this birdathon. Yeah. Um, and then tell us about, I don't know if it's still available, but it's pretty cool. You guys had the um, Pigeon Head Brewery released a beer for you guys. Yeah, last year uh, we re released a collaborative brew together called the Flight of the Pinion J IPA. Um, it was a wheat IPA, which the, the head brewer was really excited about using these hops he had, had saved away. So it was a really cool, the recipe was really delicious. It was a unique style. I'd never had a wheat IPA before. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. But a dollar from every uh, four-pack sale, a dollar from every sale came back to GBBO um, for Pinion J Conservation. I'm going to try and hunt some down because I also really like the can. <laughs> it's a cool picture. Yeah, you have a cool picture, picture here yeah. of the Pinion J. Yeah. Yeah, nice. well, it was distributed to uh, Total Wine and stuff like that. So it was. this was last summer. So if you're, if you're lucky and you might still be able to turn some up somewhere. <laughs> That's cool. So talk about growing. I mean, now you had a beer release last year and I know. I'm, it's getting I'm just, more and more popular. Yeah, I'm excited to see what, what happens and where we go with it uh, in the future. It's just like you said, it's snowballing and more and more people are getting interested. We've got some competitive birders out in Elko getting involved this year. Oh, yeah. So, so it's just neat to see people jumping in with both feet from all over. Have you, um, did you see any birds that, or were any birds, did anyone participating see any birds that you were surprised were logged? Uh, yes, actually. We had one guy took a really unique route last year. He signed up because he was driving through Nevada during the birdathon window. So he did a big day on I-80 from the California border to the Utah border. And so he got all of these species in the Carson range that are range restricted to Western Nevada, like your red-breasted sapsucker and that kind of thing. And uh, the, um, I'm gonna trip over my words here, the sooty grouse <laughs> <laughs> split from the blue grouse. So then he traveled over to Eastern Nevada and he got the Eastern counterparts of these, the red nape sapsucker and the dusky grouse. But he also got up to the top of Lamoille Canyon and he logged a Himalayan snowcock for his big oh day list. Oh my gosh, what a pretty drive <laughs> and amazing experience. So yeah, that, that was a pretty impressive list. Um, so when you create a team, you could just come up with a route for your big day like that? Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, there's I mean, and there's so much strategy that goes into planning your big day. You know, what you're trying to maximize the different habitat types to see the most species, and you don't want to take too long at any one spot to run out of time somewhere else. So there's there's a lot of strategy that goes into planning these big days. Do you, are you planning a big day? Um, I'm planning to go out for the birdathon, but I don't expect a high species count. So yeah. for my big day, I'm going to do a pinion jay adventure, and I'm going to go looking for pinion jays in the Pine Nut Mountains outside of Carson City. Fun. Yeah. What would you do, Aaron? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I love seeing city grouse, so I'd probably go try and find some. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to be one of those... Um, well, I'm going to start keeping an eye out in my backyard, but then I might hit a few parks. So lots of opportunity for yeah. different people. Yeah, and in the, le yeah. the weeks leading up to it, it's good to pay attention to where you heard that great horned owl hooting the other night That's to go true. check that off on your big day. So Yeah. Yeah. 
So we have a um, couple more weeks to prepare, May 5th through May 15th it takes place, and That's head right. to your website. Anything else you want to say in these last few minutes before we wrap up? I'd just like to thank some of our local sponsors oh, for definitely. donating prizes to the event. Uh, the Moana Nursery donated gift cards to the event last year and this year, so we'll be giving that out as a prize. And the Pigeon Head Brewery has donated prizes to the event as well. So it's just great to see local uh, local partners supporting the event. Both of those partners, I'm like, ooh, what prizes are they giving out? <laughs> Maybe I want one of those prizes. <laughs> and otherwise, we're working on some very nice-looking trophies for everyone else. Very cool. That's great. Well, um, again, we appreciate you having – or appreciate you coming on. I'm getting tied up on my words now. Um, what website can people go to for the information? www.gbbo.org. And head there now to get signed up. Start head there now. Planning. There's a link to the Birdathon right on the homepage, and you can register for your team on justgiving.com, which is linked to from our website. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. That was a fun one. Um, Julie, who's a regular on our podcast, Julie Bless, had the idea and we're like, this is awesome. So I'm glad we had you in. Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys had me and I'd love to see the event getting more uh, popularity and taking off. I think it's got some huge potential and I'd love to see it realized. We'll have to touch base next year. Maybe we'll get you in for another one. Yeah, see how it's going and we'll see year. you guys at the awards ceremony and how you did on your bird uh, I will be there accepting an <laughs> award and prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife. <laughs> <laughs>